The LK99 superconductor presents a potentially huge scientific breakthrough, unicorns are in fire sale mode, and Tim Cook finally addresses Apple's plan for optimizing AI technology. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. A remarkable scientific breakthrough may have just been made by a team of Korean researchers. In a paper published on July 22nd, the researchers reported that they had achieved the first room temperature superconductor. Their superconductor is a modified lead apatite crystal structure that levitates at room temperature, and they call it LK99. If these findings are genuine, the ramifications will change the world. Superconductor computer chips could be 100 times as efficient as current chip technology. Superconductors enable zero-loss power transmission. Bullet trains could levitate. Everything electrical, engines, motors, phones, and computers will become substantially more efficient, and nuclear fusion could become a viable power source. Unfortunately, no experts have been able to replicate the Koreans' discoveries so far, leading many top research groups to publish papers finding that LK99 is in fact not superconductive. As more solid-state physics experts race to replicate the superconductor, many stress patients, believing there will be conclusive evidence as to whether LK99 is or is not superconductive in the next week or two. To better understand LK99 and superconductivity's potential impact on technology, I chatted with Mark Goodickson. Hi, my name is uh, Mark Goodickson. I'm uh, one of the managing partners at Piva Capital, where we focus on uh, uh, industrial disruption with a lot of interest in decarbonization and digitalization. Mark also has a PhD in chemical physics from Harvard University. Mark, under the assumption that LK99 has achieved the world's first ambient temperature superconductor, what are the implications of this discovery? Uh, so it's a great question. Uh, I, I'm going to let's first start and say I'm a scientist by background. So until this has been replicated a few times, I'm, I'm not going to get too ecstatic. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll hold our breath uh, about that. But the good news is this is a very simple uh, system they've discovered. So I think we're actually going to know over the next few weeks very likely uh, whether this pencils out. So I think that's actually quite exciting. Usually it takes a lot longer to replicate experiments, but I think this is one we're going to know uh, whether it's real very shortly. Um, I think the implications of this are huge. Uh, if it's true, this is one of those holy grails of uh, scientific achievement. Part of the reason that there's some complexity uh, of the groups is everybody here is hoping for a Nobel Prize. So I, th I think this is a very, very large uh, uh, scientific advance. Could this be considered one of the biggest technological discoveries of the century, launching humanity into the next technological age? Well, I may not be prone to that much hyperbole, uh, but I think this is a really big deal. Uh, we focus at PIVA a lot on climate uh, and uh, energy and industrial things. So if I were to just pick off two areas where this would be transformative, uh, one would be in you know, the electrical uh, grid and uh, improving uh, conductivity of the wires. Transmission is a big deal. So uh, if you could go ahead and incorporate more superconductors into electricity transmission, that would be a huge benefit to all of us around electrification. And on a related note, uh, fusion is one of those areas where um, uh, the advancement of high temperature superconductors is really pushing that field forward. So I think uh, more tools around better superconductors could have a, a real impact on nuclear fusion, which would be obviously very interesting and, and important. What's the reaction you've seen so far to this news in Silicon Valley? I think it's probably too soon to tell about how important this is to Silicon Valley. I mean, I, I, I think everybody's still pretty captivated around AI. 
uh, probably for appropriate reasons. Uh, when when uh, when we see the data replicated, I think it's probably a good a good time for some more enthusiasm. This is probably more interesting, kind of within the physics uh, and material science academic communities for the time being. Mark, do you think we're about to see a boom of superconductor tech startups for VCs to invest in? I don't think that that is likely. If this material pencils out. Um, there will be some, you know, very important patent holders who uh, likely, um, yeah, this will be a valuable material. Uh, but this, uh, whether this is a more generalizable property, we're going to have to do some more work around the material science, chemistry, and physics. So uh, it, it's hard for me to believe there's a proliferation of a whole bunch of new superconductor companies. But but if this is as interesting as it seems to be, there could be a smaller set of key people or key companies that own the intellectual property that could be quite valuable and important across a wide range of uh, industries and applications. So that, that would be pretty exciting. That was Mark Goodickson, Managing Partner at Piva Capital. Thanks for your insights, Mark. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. 2021 was a monumental year for venture capital investing. High valuations, billions of dollars deployed into startups, and lots of unicorns. Around 600 to be exact, according to Crunchbase. Compare that to the number of unicorns so far this year, that number is 44. And amid this year's down market, existing unicorns are struggling to adjust. Startups like Gorillas, Parade, and now Hopin have all seen their valuations fall drastically, or in the case of Clutter, have run out of money entirely. To learn more about the state of unicorn startups, I spoke with Patrick Driscoll. Hello, my name is Patrick Driscoll. I'm general partner at Chasing Rainbows, an early stage VC fund focused in the LGBTQ plus founder community. Patrick, on a Wednesday, Hoppin sold a substantial part of their business and released their CEO. Once a unicorn during the pandemic, reaching a valuation of $7.8 billion, they've let go of a bulk of their company, selling their events management platform and interactive engagement tools for what some are saying maybe in the low hundreds of millions. Is a collapse this big rare for VC-backed unicorns? Uh, I would say they're becoming more and more common, actually. They for sure have been rare, but everyone who is paying attention to the market uh, the past couple of years saw valuations absolutely skyrocket. There were, I think, 600 plus unicorns in 2022, if I recall correctly, or perhaps 2021 which is an astonishing number. So the market correction that's currently happening is somewhat to be expected, and venture capitalists should have seen the writing on the wall in many situations. I mean, another example that I can think of, which I read about recently, is um, Bonobos, the men's the menswear brand that was acquired by Walmart, ended up taking a huge loss. It was actually divested by Walmart and sold to another management firm. And it's it's just... These companies that uh, even like in the acquisition game is kind of my point here, where folks are acquiring companies for these immense sums of money because of high valuations, they're seeing huge losses uh, because of market corrections. So it's, it's not super, it's becoming more common, I'll say, is a short answer. As you mentioned, during bull markets in 2020 and 2021, unicorns seem to spring up with ease. Many of those are now fire selling to buyers. What's happened over the past two to three years that has caused this drastic shift? I think... There was a lot of very antsy people looking to deploy capital very quickly, which VCs, you know, I love to be a VC. I am one. We are all lemmings. And listening to the power players or the powers that be in the VC ecosystem meant that these valuations were super high, which led to all of these unicorns 
being born, basically. And uh, I, I, it was inevitable that the market was going to recorrect back to, to where we are today. And a lot of the unicorns are on the chopping block, right, where valuations are getting cut immensely. They all hired so many people, crazy amounts of new team members, um, and a lot of those folks are now getting laid off. You know, the overhiring problem was huge with these immense, you know, rounds of funding that were raised in Series B, Series C, Series D, etc. And now all those people that got hired are getting laid off. All these kind of interesting decisions that were part of like groupthink started happening, which led to, to where we are today. Like you said, in 2021, roughly 600 companies became unicorns. This year, there's been 44. Can this be attributed to the bear market and less available capital? Or might this be a sign VCs don't want to make the same mistakes they did during the pandemic when so much money was invested into young startups that have disappointed? Yeah, I think it, it, it has a lot to do with the bear market and everyone is in a holding pattern waiting to see what's going to happen with the market before they start deploying capital. And I think it's going to return to normal pre-2020, 2021 levels uh, where we'll get back to uh, a relatively consistent amount of unicorns being minted each year as opposed to these astronomical numbers like in 2021. Patrick, do you think we'll continue to see unicorn struggle through 2023? I think so. Um, I think it's not over yet. Uh, I think the worst is perhaps over, but I would expect continued valuation decreases, layoffs. And if it's if somebody gets so desperate, if you take a look at even M&A action, those numbers have decreased, uh, specifically in like Q1 and I think Q2 this year. Um, because of, uh, well, for many factors. Um, but now if a company loses so much value that it has to figure out an acquisition or a quick exit or something like that, um, it's, it's super difficult, which is an interesting predicament because now they're getting bought by like pennies to the dollar, uh, in some cases. So the leverage is, is definitely shifting to these acquirers way more than has been in the past. That was Patrick Driscoll, general partner at Chasing Rainbows. Patrick, thanks for joining the podcast again. Absolutely. Great to be here. It feels like AI is all anyone talks about these days, and the biggest players are all at the table. Microsoft, Google, Meta, and Amazon are leading the revolution. But you probably noticed there's one big player who never gets mentioned in AI discussions. Until their earnings call yesterday, there's been near radio silence from Apple. For one of the first times, Tim Cook publicly shared his thoughts on AI and offered some hints as to how Apple plans to utilize it. On yesterday's earnings call, Sidney Ho, an equity research analyst at Deutsche Bank, asked this to Apple CEO Tim Cook. Your strategy on AI seems quite different than many of your peers. At least you don't, you don't talk too much about that, how much you invest in it. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. But related to that, how do you see your investment in this area turning into financial performance in the future? Cook responds. If you take a step back, we view AI and machine learning as core fundamental technologies that are integral to virtually every product that we build. Cook goes on to reference Apple's most recent Worldwide Developers Conference. He explains that some of the new features that will appear to iOS 17 are only possible through AI. We announced some features that will be coming in iOS 17 this fall, like personal voice and live voicemail. Uh, Previously, we had announced life-saving features like fall detection and crash detection and ECG. None of these features that uh, I just mentioned and and many, many more would be possible without AI and machine learning. 
Cook closes by reassuring shareholders that Apple has been dedicating resources to researching the tech, especially generative AI. And of course, uh, we've been doing research across a wide range of AI technologies, including generative AI for years. Uh, We're going to continue investing and innovating and responsibly advancing our products with these technologies with the goal of enriching people's lives. When we get more information about what AI tech Apple is developing behind the scenes, we'll be sure to let you know. Thanks for tuning in to Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you liked today's episode, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all next week 